0: I've not seen excitement from a group of supporters like this well since last year. And it's wonderful that every year now there seems to be a fairy tale. Tommy Haifey once said, winning premierships is the easy bit. Dealing with who gets a credit afterwards is the hard bit.
1: Those scenes between husband and wife, it's just so telling of how marriages can often just run out of puff.
0: Our parents probably didn't do enough. They underparented, we overparent. There's a yes. happy medium, and I don't think we're at it at the moment. You
1: know, when a little baby comes out and she's so tiny and fragile as Willow, you
0: just realise the miracle of birth. I am so sick of the bastardisation of the English language and the stupid words people in football use. The optics, Gillian McLaughlin, take note, is a really annoying way of talking about the way something appears to everybody else.
1: <laughs> I remember when <laughs> Professor Pepperall told me he was retiring. I burst into tears. I,
0: mean, I can't imagine going on the rest of my life without you.
1: <laughs> Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hi everyone. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Corey Perkin and this is our 55th episode and I'm here with my good friend and award winning journalist Caroline Wilson, who is looking a little nervous about the football finals this week.
0: What a lot happens in a week, Corrie. It
1: does, Carol. Welcome
0: back to Melbourne. Welcome back to Earth. And congratulations. Thanks. You're a a grandmother two times around. Little Willow made a fairly dramatic entrance into the world a few days ago. That's such great news.
1: Thank you. Uh, And look, it was a dramatic entrance. It was a month early, but all is fine. Mother and baby doing well,
0: but there has been a lot of up and down the Ballarat Road in the last week or so. Next time you go to Ballarat, Corrie, I I would make a little detour to Geelong because there are people in that town who really want to pick you up on something you said last week. Do you want to deal with it now?
1: Well, it, it didn't come in as official correspondence, but you had great glee in telling me that um, I didn't
0: have great glee. I do had enjoyed having to defend you. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, me where I was attacked and about what. I suspect I know you weren't attacked, but just people felt given that you and I are seen as very much um, part of the sisterhood, and we talk a lot about Me Too, and we're strong women. There are a few people who felt that someone who loves footy like you do. And is was the first woman to cover football, probably didn't need to say to Geelong to the Geelong Football Club, take your handbags and go home. <laughs> <laughs> go back to Geelong. I mean really it... Oh look, okay. Well <laughs> Have a look at yourself, Colleen.
1: <laughs> all right, how do I phrase this? I apologize if I've hurt people's feelings on that. And I, of all people, are the one the first one in the footy crowd if a if a bloke supporter yells out, Oh, you Sheila referring to a bad passage of play-by-one football. I'm the first one to turn around and give him a piece of my mind. The handbag
0: but cliche was it's very well. Asian, well, this, very is, but this is the story. whole
1: thing, Caro. You see, I am a child of the 70s and 80s with my football um, culture, I suppose. It, that's where it's firmly locked. And certainly when I was editing the AFL record in the 90s, there were a lot of moments when Geelong did fall apart at the end, dare I say, choked. Some of those late eighties, early nineties big games, and there were—I was not the one who who invented the high heels and handbag
0: strutting. It was a, lo- it was a long time ago, collie. but
1: I do think and- we need to have a bit of a sense of humour about this. I mean, Lou Richards, years and years ago, bless his heart, invented the collie wobbles for Collingwood, which they're still trying to overcome years later. And all the fun that's poked well, at they Mel- have won Melbourne
0: two flags since then, but <laughs>
1: but every every September we sort of talk about the Melbourne supporters have gone missing because they've taken their Range Rovers up to Bullo. To We're some not nice saying nice that this year, I think you need to get into two thousand and eighteen. <laughs> and then my friend and our friend Jeff Slattery reminded me that Kevin Sheedy, Sheeds once called North Melbourne the North Marshmallows. And he slats also said that at one stage
0: Fitzroy was known as the Gorillas, which I'm not sure why that was. There's yes, none of those analogies have anything to do with the fact that to to denigrate a football team you pose you, oh you put a, a I was femi- not you wrap them in femininity which is All just right. not sorry, right
1: sorry sisterhood for um for just you know referring to old fashioned terms like that and, and dare I say I actually. We used to call the St Kilda team the
0: Blondies in the seventies and eighties? Well, they were. I ran into your friend the other night.
1: Who's my friend?
0: Kevin. (laughs) Oh, Kevin from Geelong. Kevin picked up on the handbag. Kevin from Geelong. Kevin picked up on the handbag as well.
1: Kevin, you are a pedant. (laughs) We love you, (laughs) but really, you've got to get a life, Carol, We've had lots of correspondence. First of all, I would like to say hello, hello to the four lovely ladies from, they call themselves the Braybrook girls. They came all the way to the bookshop in Hawkesburn the other day to visit me. Kay, Fay, Jen and Karen. G'day girls, thanks for visiting and so lovely to see you in the shop. And we also have a message from Vince Moody. I'm only going to read out a part of it, Carol, because I am having a... Marsha, Marsha, Marsha moment because Vince <laughs> said love the podcast and then had two paragraphs on, oh, I love Caroline Wilson, love Carol, love her when she says on order. He's only anyway, human,
0: Corey. Come on.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm editing it down. Such an interesting podcast. I find myself agreeing weekly with you beautiful, intelligent women on so many topics. I so enjoy Caro on so many platforms. <laughs> oh, that's me up on stage. <laughs> I- how many platforms do you get? Is it platform shoes? Or anyway, Vince then went on to just say how much he loves you. So thanks for that. Um, and also. <laughs> um, Linda Danvers said, so excited for your book club podcast, Carol and Corrie. Only problem is how am I going to find the time to read all the books? More on that later, Linda. And I think you have another bunnies reference, Carol. Well,
0: we've got to, thank our, we've got to f- thank our friend, Mary Clark for that, for reminding me of ugly Days. Mary, Day what have you started? So Felicity Savage via Instagram with an update on Rebecca Gilling. She actually joined, um, we love Felicity. She's one of our long time listeners, um, Rebecca Gilling, who was, of course, made her career on The Young Doctors. I reckon. That's a very
1: sexy nurse.
0: He did the first Skinny Milk ad too. Remember when Skinny Milk came out? The first oh, time low-fat milk came out, she was. Everybody wants to be a little bit skinnier.
1: Oh yes, I yeah, remember that. Which
0: wouldn't be allowed these Everybody
1: days. Everybody wants to be a little Speaking bit skinny. Of, skinnier.
0: do you ever listen to Grubby and Dee Dee on Three AW? No, they, they're very they're very funny, and they've just come back in. They've, they're working their way back into weekend radio because um, the footy's nearly over. And they were reminding us all a few weeks ago about the Kentucky Fried Chicken ad. You know the cartoon ad when Hugo said, you go, yeah, and I, I said, said, no, no you, you go. go. And it's all about we sat in the back, we sat in the back getting thinner. Mum and Dad, we need dinner. Like, they're these two fat kids with these two fat parents. And what they happened don't want to good get ads? thin.
1: What happened to good ads?
0: That was the funniest was. ad. You would not allow that now anyway. anyway well, so Rebecca, where's
1: Rebecca gone?
0: Rebecca Gilling, who's probably still very slim, has joined Planet Art because they're public spokesperson. And that was in two thousand and two. Her role is as the deputy CEO and audio visual manager is a long way, says Felicity from bunnies. <laughs> it is a long way. But from that's bunnies. where she made. Now we've also got a few, just a quick, quick few good local tips. You've got a book later in BSF that I really am looking forward to discussing because I loved it too and it's about to be a movie. I
1: felt a bit mean, Carol, having a crack at you with the Elena Ferrante last week saying, oh, my God, you know, everybody's been reading that for years. Although we did have one correspondent via Instagram say, I agree, Caro's got to get with the program and read modern stuff. But I—it's I, only there, eight years old. This there is, is the most ridiculous. There is no, no but look, there is absolutely nothing wrong with us revisiting old books, and in fact, I'm going to do that with a book that is about to become a movie. So stay tuned
0: for that, everybody. And and just on that, um, our friend Sal said to me that a book, another book we loved. Sorry, Corrie, it was about five years ago, four years ago. The truth about the Harry Quiber affair—a fabulous, that's a great murder book. mystery set um, somewhere along the New England coastline in America, but I think written by a Frenchman and translated, is coming out on Stan in a couple of weeks. And Wade Kingsley, our friend Wade, is in London. His GLT from over there is that the BBC series Bodyguard is rating through the roof, political thriller, with a dash of lust, on Netflix soon. And why, from, is it when it,
1: why is it when I think of Bodyguard, I think of Kevin Spacey and Whitney Houston?
0: You'd think of... Kevin Costner. Costner.
1: Did I say? Kevin Spacey. Sorry. Oh, so when you tired. think
0: of Kevin Spacey, you don't actually, you think of something else. But um – there's another one another book that you talked about and it's been made into a yeah, Anna from
1: the op shop text us about this so Anna's tip is watch BBC is it BBC or UK TV or something BBC First First. yeah BBC First Thursday nights and it's a very English scandal this is the wonderful book
0: I chatted about a few oh a couple of months ago and you said Hugh Grant was going to be in it yes the the
1: book is by John Preston and in fact one of the Brable Girls did buy a copy of it the other day because she was inspired by our chat and in this new Netflix or whatever it is the BBC thing um, Hugh Grant Plays the lead role. So that's going to be great. Caro, lots um, happening this week, as you said, yes, baby. And also Richmond v. Collingwood. And this extraordinary roller coaster that Melbourne football fans have been on for the last 20, 30.
0: Gosh, 40 years. Well, 1964 was when they last and won. And how the excited
1: they all are. So, let's talk a little bit about the finals this week. Well, let's first, how do make you think-
0: it, let's first reveal that you stood me up last Friday night. We were going to talk about our date at the football when my team played your team. You're glossing over the fact that poor old Hawks went out in straight sets. <laughs> I'm not glossing. I had a baby. So, you had, had a good very excuse. <laughs> good excuse. And I was up at the rat. And Anna from the op shop was very happy to be your stand-in, and we had a lovely night. I missed you, but we well, did have you. a did lovely night. Did you cheer
1: night. for Hawthorne? Were you bragging for
0: Hawthorne? No. No. And, and you,
1: look at I, your little face. It
0: just had one of those. I haven't seen that
1: face on you very often, Carol, you what, That you're, look of like, oh, my you're, God, i have
0: just been caught out. No. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> Melbourne were the better team, and I, I tipped Melbourne on the show last week, and I thought they were going to win. And I didn't really... To be honest, it's really nice watching a neutral final, which is what I've been doing for years. What's wrong
1: with barracking for the team of one of your very close friends when she can't be there because they're about to go into labour? I've oh, got a, sorry, I've
0: got a lot of very... Friendship, I've definition got, of friendship. I've got a lot of very dear friends who barrack for Melbourne too and they've been, if you don't mind me saying, Corey, you've had a pretty good go over the last <laughs> decade. Two decades, three decades. Alistair Clarkson is the coach, no doubt, perhaps of all time and certainly of the last... 50 years and well probably the last 50 years certainly the last two decades he doesn't like losing though and he had a crack at um Tom Brown the Channel 7 journo for asking he said a pretty stupid question at so, the sorry, start
1: So to finish that sentence you're saying that he's the he's the, the best most, coach the best coach in that last 50 years you're saying
0: I think I think so Wow Well oh, I that's think That's huge when there were 18 teams in the competition and what he did with Hawthorne when he came in and the what he was up against And And, and let's face it, a club decimated. They had no money. And what he's done again in getting them back into the top four so quickly. You know, they missed the finals for one year. As Gillan McLaughlin cracked in his pre-game speech, there are three-year-olds who can't remember Hawthorne playing in the finals. (laughs) You know, anyway, I thought it was quite funny. So anyway, um, the only thing I don't like about him is that he does bully journos sometimes in those televised press conferences. And he did it last week again. He had called the media sheep the week before he doesn't like losing. At the AFMA, Australian Football Media Awards the other night, I was sitting on the same table with him and everyone on the table, very senior footy people were laughing at, you know, Clarko dining out on, you know, what a stupid question it was. And I actually said, look, Alistair, it wasn't a stupid question. It was a good question. It was fair. The moment Gunston hit the post in the oh last God, quarter it was I can a feel, little... I can
1: feel a don't shoot the messenger moment coming on. And what
0: did he say to you? Oh, he just sort of... <laughs> Kept cracking gags and everyone kept laughing with him. You know, he was holding the floor. I was just a minor, a minor blip on the landscape. Anyway, um, I think Melbourne is the story of the finals. Melbourne are the Richmond of last year, obviously, and the Bulldogs of the year before. And my one issue, Cory, which will be interesting, is how they cope with success because I reckon they'll beat West Coast. I know they're Do you underdogs, think so? wow. but even if they don't they have had a a massive, massive resurgence this year. To win two finals, it's just been unbelievable. Their midfield, their young midfield, the young players who stood up, to their club, albeit took too long to do it and didn't go on a brutal pre-season camp, unlike Adelaide, who did and is still picking up the pieces, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, but what's interesting is all the old faces like Don McClarty and even Jim Stein's statues got a run and we've heard from Brad Green and Mark Neal, the um, sacked and, you know, appallingly failed coach, um, gave an interview on Open Mic with our friend Mike Sheehan a few weeks ago. Paul Ruse is, you know, hamming it up on Fox footy. It's who takes the credit, and I was talking to Jared Healy about this on radio, and he said Tommy Hafey once said, "Winning premierships is the easy bit; dealing with who gets the credit afterwards is mm. the hard bit." And I just hope, which we saw happen at, um, at Western, Western Bulldogs. Bulldogs, exactly. So, but having said all of that, and you know, I'm saying that because the CEO Peter Jackson, who came in, the AFL put in, the AFL took over the club five or six years ago, and they. Peter Jackson was seconded out of semi-retirement put in as CEO, the board was kicked out. They were handed – what the AFL do is they hand you a big check of several million dollars to cover your debts and all your repayments for people you've had to sack because you've signed them on stupid contracts. And you say, sign this and goodbye, and then you put in a new board. And Glenn Bartlett was brought over from WA, former West Coast footballer. He's been a, a very good firm hand on the board, just very steady, a lot of stability. Peter Jackson got Paul Ruse, you know, then the succession plan, Simon Goodwin made some – Very, very good recruiting decisions. They made some mistakes, as we all do, as all clubs do. But anyway, it is just – I've not seen excitement – from a group of supporters like this, well, since last year. And it's wonderful Mm. that every year now there seems to be... A fairy tale. ...different teams around. Well, it is good
1: for footy, isn't it? And it's also good for the club coffers because they can then, regardless of what happens now, Melbourne's in such a strong position to go out over the summer, obtain new sponsorship. I imagine its um, membership is going through the roof, I would have
0: thought. Well, they got over 90,000 people to two finals in a row at the MCG. I never thought I would see Melbourne do that. Admittedly, they were playing other big clubs, but... um I think your dad would have enjoyed watching them last week, Oh, Ari. yes,
1: I've been thinking about him a lot and also my dear grandfather too who who for a minute there had me barracking for Melbourne after my dad died because he said, after me, there's no one else, you know, so I thought I should try and take on the, the red and the blue but it just didn't fit as snugly as the Hawthorne Guernsey. But uh, I have been thinking a lot about all of those Hawthorne, uh, all of those Melbourne supporters. You know, when my dad used to go with your dad to the footy um, there was a whole batch of them, the the Melbourne fraternity, and all those chaps are now in their late 70s and 80s. Oh, for them it would be such a joy. It would be really great. What we want for business, Caro, can I just speak on behalf of Small Business of Victoria, is we want an all-Victorian grand final because our figures go through the roof because nobody goes away on to September school holidays.
0: Well, if it's Melbourne, Richmond or Collingwood, Melbourne, you will be getting your wish. And then the last thing I'll say is Collingwood could... Beat Richmond on Friday night, and their former CEO Gary Pert, who was removed last year, has been employed by Melbourne to be their CEO at the end of this season, and that's where it's going to be tricky managing the credit, etc. Mm. Peter Jackson is stepping away.
1: Cara, what do you think is going to happen between Richmond and Collingwood? As we've noted, this they haven't met in finals since I think 1980. You said since the 1980 Grand yeah, Final. Yeah. Well, I'd,
0: so, I'd like the result of the 1980 Grand Final, but I don't think that will happen. I think I think how's it'll be Dustin? close. I think he'll be fine. I think he's got a corky and he'll be fine. But, um, you know, if this, all players go into big finals now with injuries. They'll jab him. They'll do whatever. You know, I hate to sort of think about it, but he'll be fine. Obviously, as a Richmond beanie wearer, I'm very concerned. As an impartial football observer, if Richmond lose, it'll be a massive upset.
1: Are you more concerned about Friday's match than you were about the grand final
0: last year? Yes, Mm, I would be too. Nothing to lose last year. Collingwood just look pretty amazing, don't they? And, they do. And, uh, they do. We, Nathan Buckley is another, is another story of the year, no doubt.
1: We're talking about uh, Melbourne people and who takes the credit and so on. I have been thinking a lot about Jim Steins this week and his daughter popped up uh, this week in regard... To, yep. yes. What Yes, mm. a, what a charming, lovely girl she
0: seems to be. Well, at the Brownlow every year now, they present the Jim Steins Community Award, which they they invented in his name after he died. And there's been some really worthy winners. And uh, one of the nominees, I think, is Ben Brown this year. There's some great nominees, and it's going to be fantastic, again, as it always is. Jim, great Melbourne footballer, amazing story, got a statue outside the MCG, probably didn't – came in as president and eradicated the debt and probably – didn't cover himself in glory in the way they sanctioned the whole tanking thing, which ended up seeing the club virtually decimated again and, you know, really, I, th- I thought really badly hurt a lot of young football careers. But um, apart from that, yes, he is is a gr- another yes. one of the great Melbourne stories. Well, he'll be
1: one of the good luck fairies floating we'll, just around. Just quickly on
0: that statue... I know we've got to move on, but the Nicky Winmar statue, which is a statue of the famous Wayne Ludby photograph of Nicky Winmar um, lifting up his jumper the day he did at Victoria Park after being racially taunted all day by the Collingwood fans, it's still at the foundry and they can't decide where to put it. And I think it's really bad that there's a statue sitting in a foundry and they're saying, "Do we put it at Morabin, Victoria Park, the MCG, at the new stadium over in Western in Perth where the final? I would say the Saturday. MCG, wouldn't you? You're all Morabin because he was a St Kilda player, or he's keen to have it over in Perth at the new stadium, of oh, course, really? because he's a West Australian. But I hope they find a home for it. Soon.
1: Well, I hope they do before the end of the footy season. Hey, uh, Caro, just before because I, I, I want to ask you how you've adapted to life um, not as a full time football writer this year, but before that, Brownlow, you're going next Monday night. I'm sure. Have I you am? got the frock?
0: No, no.
1: Oh. Shopping expedition. Here we
0: go. Well, I've just had a couple of half-hearted attempts, and I, look, I might have to get something out of the wardrobe, I'm afraid. Um, but what I know what happens every second. Latte so back. tricky. You I go know. back to your
1: wardrobe.
0: I know, and well, you're you know you're looking for a mother of not only have you just had a new baby as a grandmother, but you're about to have another wedding, so. You're probably looking for a black type. AKA, t- I'm getting very old, suggest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, Maybe not at we all. go shopping together and look for frocks. Oh, I don't know when I'm going to have
0: you know, to the, that. look. that. I'll that, have to look in Ballarat. It's, very, it's a very nice and very self-indulgent question. But the only thing I'll say is that it's only – there is not a week go by where I don't think, oh, I'd love to write that story. Now, obviously, I'm still writing a column every week, so I do get to write – and it's obviously a lot busier than I thought it would be because I seem to be filling in my day with all sorts of other things. And that's what women do. And I'm obviously still doing a lot of radio and But are you
1: missing the TV. pressure of the deadline? Because people often think, oh, the pressure of the deadline must be terrible. But sometimes it one story feeds into another and the adrenaline just keeps you going.
0: Well, it does mean that you have to work a lot harder at the other things that you're doing. Because I used to walk into 3AW and Channel 9 and I didn't really need to do a whole lot of extra research because I'd been doing it anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, – No, I don't miss it at all, Corrie. That's
1: good, It's very nice
0: to make myself a gin and tonic at six o'clock and not be sort of in an office somewhere banging out a story, I've got to say. I did
1: giggle at your text message yesterday when I said, come on, send me some six quick questions. And you said, sorry, I've been in bridge for four hours. I thought, in the week of the finals, that's just
0: perfect. That's great. Well, I had sent you some very good ideas at 6am. I'm still (laughs) up early, Corrie. Now, um, what about you? Well, well, life as a grandmother.
1: Well, grandmother by two. Well, it has been an interesting year. So you've had a year uh, without the deadly the the deadline, and my deadline's been a little bit different in that I've wanted to get to Ballarat um, as often as I can because of Harriet, and now because of Willow. And sometimes you just can't. And um, there, I suppose, being a grandmother as opposed to being a mother or a parent, full-time parent, you have a bit more time to smell the roses. So, for example, on Friday as a distraction while Francesca was going through her biz, I took Harriet to the Royal Botanic Gardens at Ballarat and we did literally smell the roses and collect camellias and things. So that's really nice because I don't know whether I would have ever had the time to do that with three children. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Um, and, of course, your heart swells because you bring a new member into your family and you love them just as much. But I do feel now I have another one to worry about. So that's kind of an interesting feeling. But your love is just so there at the moment. It just pops out. So I love that too. And Willow's still in a, in a nursery care ward because she is so small and she's tubed up and things like that. She's doing well, but she's still very, very tiny. So we haven't had a cuddle yet.
0: That must be frustrating. I
1: think when that happens, I think we'll all be bursting into tears. But I just, you know, we we said we'd have a quick chat about grandparents thing. And I just wonder if there's such a thing as the GST, granny or grandpa, because a number of our friends and my friends particularly um, are having grandchildren. And a lot of them uh, seem to be doing, uh, looking after children one day a week or sometimes even two days a week. And it's because their own children are working uh, still full-time or part-time or they can't afford childcare costs and so on. And it seems that the, the 21st century grandparent is much more involved than I think my mother, I can never remember my mother, ever doing. She would oh. say, oh, look, I'll look after the kids for an hour between a hair appointment or something.
0: Corey, <laughs> how, many, how many times did you see your parents at school, at school functions, at... Um, Big school events. I mean, compared. To oh, the, so
1: you think we're overworking it because we were in, over-involved parents?
0: Maybe. We do so much. We did so much more as parents. I mean, I, you know, in my view, our parents probably didn't do enough. They underparented. We overparent. There's a yes. happy medium, and I don't think we're at it at the moment. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the happy medium. I feel it's a bit, everything's but, intensified these days, and that's it is. Why, but I, I also think mental health is a, the mental health crisis is one one. Um, of the causes, is the over-egging of everything. The social media, the horrible shows on TV where people are so mean to each other, the reality TV shows, the... um Things like Muck Up Day, you know, Muck Up Day at school now at, at kids' schools. It's like this massive event. Schoolies, you know, they all go overseas or to Byron Bay, and it's a, it has to be a massive week. I mean, we just went down to the local, you know, Mornington Peninsula or everything went down to the Lawn or something. Everything's right. exaggerated now.
1: Mm. It is not. It's very true. And grandparenting does have the potential there. But I do feel sorry for the kids in their 20s and 30s who are having children and are trying to get into childcare centres. There just aren't enough childcare places for our population growth. So they haven't grown in accordance with our population. When you and I had our kids... We were, we, we were pretty – I mean, I remember being on a couple of waiting lists, but within a couple of months we were in, the system seemed to work so much more effectively. It is an honour to be a grandparent and it is a responsibility and it is an absolute joy. And I'm just so um, – but, but- I feel so blessed. I just feel – You know, when a little baby comes out and she's so tiny and fragile as Willow, you just realise
0: the miracle of birth but also how brilliant, you know, the whole structure is around it all. So, yep, it's been a great week. Well, I was very, very happy for you and very, very happy for Francesca and Charlie. But I've got one more practical question about grandparenting because my mum and her friends used to have this conversation and mum's sisters and everything when we were all having kids. Do you do a set day, as you just mentioned, or is it better just to be on call? See, I reckon you don't want to necessarily, unless you really have to commit yourself to one day a week. I think that makes it tough for grandparents.
1: Well, it's tough if you've got more than one child and more than one grandchild. I mean, what you do for one of your children, you've got to do for the others, assuming they all have children. You might end up with 10 or 12 grandchildren. And how do you then spread yourself around? Look, I'm a big believer. And also it's because I work full time and and, um, Chika and Charlie accept that and they understand it. But I I think you're best to just say, look, I'm here when you need me. And that's pretty often. And what we have, we have a lovely thing. They come down to, from Ballarat and see buddies and go out for dinner with friends or movies or stuff like that. And we look after Harriet
0: on a Friday yeah, and Saturday you, and night. And you cancel and we love girls' it. drinks and you cancel movies, and it's very, <laughs> I <don't laughs> it's very frustrating. <laughs> I <laughs> but know there's a bit of that. But we do, we do totally understand.
1: That brings us to the crush of the week, Carol, which I think is my turn. And would you like to say thank you to the interchange bench or would you like me to? Because they're our lovely sponsors. No, because segment.
0: you've been, um, you're going to talk about your crush of the week. So look. Crush of the Week is sponsored, as you know, Corrie, by the Interchange Bench. Recruit the best staff with the Interchange Bench. If your business needs new players, pick them up from the Interchange Bench. They're the leading provider, Corrie, of temporary and contract talent. See the Interchange see Interchangebench.com.au. For talent so good you wish you could keep them. And at this moment, I should just mention our friends, fellow podcasters, pioneer podcasters, the Outer Sanctum. Hi, girls, we love this. Emma show. Ray's her sister Lucy and all the gang, they uh, won a big award at the AFMA, the Footy Media Awards, the other night. Oh, I think- Fantastic. And they were very impressed that we had a sponsor and they're very happy and they think that we're handling it all very well, oh, Corrie, and they, <laughs> they're really looking forward to the next podcast. So who is that's your crush good. of the week for the My crush
1: of the thing? week, well, it's a segue from being a grandparent. It's all the midwives, all, well, all nurses, of course. When you have a hospital uh, moment, you do fall in love with every single nurse who comes into your room. But particularly the midwives uh, and the gang who work in um, NICU units, which are the neonatal units for the very small and also the special nursery wards like Willow is in at the moment. Uh, these babies are, in some cases, they're twenty six 26 weeks, these tiny little tots, and they're wired up and they're monitored. Every little moment is recorded by this team. And I just have the greatest regard and respect. And being in the special nursery ward the other day, looking looking through the plastic incubator at Willow, it reminded me of years ago. I did a story. I spent about four or five days at the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne, in the neonatal ward there. I
0: remember that story. Oh,
1: it was just a it was just such a fantastic experience. Yeah, Janet was there and, uh, well, they were the obstetricians but it was more just working with the men and women who made the nursing community there and the work that they do and families who – I interviewed a couple of families who'd lost prem babies and, of course, a couple of happy stories where the babies had come home after 14 weeks. Willow's going to be in hospital longer than Francesca but we all feel very good about that. I think sometimes parents might get a bit upset that they're not taking home a baby. Oh, but no, keep them in hospital. I think so, especially the other night, Caro, Saturday night. Night when we were having a drink to toast the baby's head, Coco went outside and said, "Oh my goodness, it's snowing out here." It was snowing in saw, the Ballarat
0: garden. I was watching Jane Bunn so stay, and I thought, stay. Corrie's in Ballarat and it's snowing, and yes. I'm I'm sitting here among the daffodils on the <laughs> peninsula."
1: It was just it was such a bizarre moment, and so we just thought, "Oh, Willow, stay in that nice little warm
0: incubator just a bit longer because it's very cold." Well, out that's out a here. very good crush of the week. Very but cold. Thank you, thank you, Interchange Bench. Thanks, you,
1: Interchange to, Bench. Tell me
0: is um. Francesca's obstetrician male or female male i remember saying to my mum Julia who will have to get in sometime soon um that um I said, oh, you know, my, I had this wonderful obstetrician. He's still working, Len claim, And I said, he's so fantastic, Mum. And Mum said, oh, darling, every, every girl has a crush on her obstetrician. <laughs> it's so I said, true. I don't have a crush on him. I just really admire it's him. So and true. Trust him.
1: I remember when <laughs> Professor Pepperall told me he was retiring, I burst into tears. I went, I can't imagine going on the
0: rest of my life without you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, Len is a Collingwood supporter and, and he's, he seems to deliver a lot of babies for people who play for Collingwood. And there's a lot of Collingwood chat now whenever I go for my <laughs>
1: annual checker. Well, a hello to Michael Carter, who's checker's obstetrician. And he was in the ward the other day when I was there visiting checker and um, announced that he'd had a baby boy about four weeks ago. So we were planning dates, you know, dancing class, all that kind of <laughs> thing together. It's okay. time it's time for BSF, BSF. Corrie
0: and I'm That's book screen and food. The big news is I've seen 3 movies Corrie while you were doing all this worthy grandmothering <laughs> as, as, and also going to the I was going to the footy but you're going to talk about a book we both loved by one of our favorite authors one of the best authors in the Correct. world Ian McEwan.
1: That's right 2014 The Children Act that's when Ian McEwan wrote oh, a this book. Most 4 years wonderful.
0: old. I can't believe Corrie's talking about such an old book. Oh my god. <laughs> Let it
1: go, Cara, let it go. So the reason I'm mentioning this, Potties, is, is uh, uh, it's been made into a film which appears, looking at the shorts, to be a most excellent film with Emma Thompson um, in the lead role. <clears throat> and, the, and I can't get an exact release date in Melbourne, Cara, but one of the internet sites I looked at last night said November it's yeah, coming it, out. It, it's, the children. I've Act. seen it
0: on various previews at various cinemas. I've been yeah. at lately, and well, I've like been it, at a few.
1: It had a screening as part of the British Film Festival that was held in That's Melbourne yeah. over winter. But I think in November. Anyway, look out for it, potties. It's called The Children Act. This is going to be an exceptionally fine film. You can just tell. As soon as you see a short of a good film, you know it's going to be great.
0: She's one of my favourite actresses and Stanley Tucci is just is such a great husband. actor. Yep. So
1: I've been urging people who come into the shop, please read the book before you see the film. This is one of – I always say that, but this is one of those instances where this is true because in my view, Caro, this is one of Ian McCune's three – I would say his top three novels for me, With Atonement and On Chesil Beach. I think this is a really complete novel. It's not a long novel, but it's a dramatic one. And it's the story of Fiona May, who is a British High Court judge, and she specialises in family law. And one day she receives uh, a call from the court saying there's an emergency case at the hospital. A teenage boy who has leukaemia and is on death's door has refused a blood transfusion because he and his family are Jehovah's Witnesses. So uh the hospital wants to give the child or the teenager a blood transfusion and of course the family and the boy are saying no. So Fiona goes into the hospital to interview this boy who is not yet quite 18. He's due to turn 18 in a few months. And he he and he's not in charge of his own destiny. And ultimately Fiona decides to act um on behalf of the hospital and 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 uh issues instructions for a blood transfusion to take place. What then unfolds is in typical Ian McEwan unexpected style. Won't go into it too much but um, the boy and Fiona do form some kind of relationship. Meanwhile in the background the husband Jack who as you said was is going to be played by the wonderful Stanley Tucci has left it is is talking about well he says i want to have an affair. Because the passion and the ardor has she gone. you won't have sex with him. Yeah, it's gone out of it. Well, I was saying
0: ardor, but yeah, basically. Well, that's what that's they haven't what, had a bulk. Yeah, right. But but, the, <laughs> but the, the the interchange between those two is so fantastic.
1: It is, and I really want I really want our listeners to read the book and and really those scenes between husband and wife. It's just so telling of how marriages can often just run out of puff, and it, they're very beautiful and tender scenes. And you have this wonderful woman who's so in control of people's lives, yet she's having um, uh, um, no control in her own personal life. It's such a great book. You loved it, didn't you?
0: I, I love the book. I, I'm just looking at all the Ian McEwen books that have been made into films. So The Innocent, which is just a, one of his early books, which I loved, which is um, was fantastic. The Children Act, you've just mentioned, Atonement, which was a great movie of a book, just what a wonderful film. On Chesil Beach, which was a bit dull to be honest and wasn't film? As, I didn't yeah, see the, the film. it wasn't as good as the book the cement garden which i haven't seen the comfort of strangers enduring love which yeah. was really good yeah. the good sun The Ploughman's Lunch, which was a film we all fell in love with Mm. in the early 80s. I remember seeing that. I reckon I saw that with you. Yeah, I saw that with you. Um, First Love, Last Rights. I mean, so many of his books have been – Well, isn't that interesting because there's a writer who's made uh, a fortune
1: out of film rights and film royalties. So um, I'm a huge fan of Ian McEwan. He's in his early 70s. He's still going strong. He is in the generation of Julian Barnes, Martin Amis, Rose Tremaine, all of those wonderful authors who sort of
0: emerged in the late 60s, early 70s. And uh, I think he's a standout. What was a great one we read last year about um, coming from? It was uh, oh, uh, the the the, fetus. uh, eggshell. Egg eggshell. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was a great book.
1: Nutshell. 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 <laughs> Sorry, eggshell. Okay, on to you. Are you speaking, going to talk about all three movies or just screen, one?
0: I'll just take you through the three. Oh. The first one I saw was on a very, very ra- – actually, it was rainy and cold where I was too, late Saturday afternoon before the footy Saturday night. And that was the perfect film to see during the finals. It's called The Merger. It's an Australian film. Uh, written and directed by Damien Cullinan. He used to be on Before the Game, comedian. He did this as a one-man show. Country town, set in Wagga, and boy is it set in Wagga, about an Aussie rules football team that's dying. Um, They've got no money. The clubhouse is asbestos ridden. And the local sort of town the the most hated man in town, who was an AFL footy hero, whose career was tragically cut short, who's gone back to the town to live in his father's house, but is hated by the town because um, he he his, pro- his the protests he led saw the local timber mill shut down, so they call him town killer, and he's he's at home nursing his depression. Anyway, there's a cast of great characters. Then it and is and th- actors that we know. Oh yeah, well, John Howard, who was obviously in the club, which was it came out in nineteen eighty during the final of the David Williamson play. Well, he's in it. He's the ageing sort of patriarch of the footy club. Anyway, he played
1: the glamorous player in the in the club. As we know, he's no
0: longer <laughs> glamorous, but he's a very good actor. So, um, the ref, a, a group of refugees, a group of migrants, um, asylum seekers are moved into the town. They set, they they relocate them all into Wagga. So there's a lot of racism. And the Damien Cullen character, he also stars in it. The local, the former football player, town killer, is given agrees to coach the club and brings the migrant because they don't have any players. So they bring all the um, our new Australian friends into the team. It is. Brilliant! It's heartwarming. What a, what a lovely it's idea for a film. It's a great idea. I mean, I say it's brilliant. It, it's quirky. There are moments when it's a bit lame, but you end up. And the theme song of the local footy club is to the tune of "We're from Tigerland." So hey, <laughs> what's, what's not, not to love? love?
1: <laughs> so that was good, Caro. I just on that, it, it reminds me of a film. I can't remember the title of it. You will. Coco and I saw it a few years ago, and it still remains one of our fondest, happy like we walked out with smiles on our face with yeah. Mick Malloy, and it was set at the bowling club. Oh yes, and and. uh Ray, uh, no Cracker Jack. It? Yeah. Cracker and, Jack, yeah. And who's the who's the wonderful actor who died who played the Ray the, Barrett? No, no, um Bill Hunter. Sorry. Bill yes. Hunter. Thank you Miss Jane for coming oh, to my yeah. He was a
0: bit of a grog dog, wasn't he? <laughs> but he Bill played Hunter. but
1: he played the president of the of the bowling club who, you know, he and Mick Malloy decided to
0: kind of resurrect the coffers and Oh, look. It, 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 we'll go and see this one because the Dish is another one that comes to mind. The Dish and, and obviously the the daddy of them all. Um, so in fact someone's came up to me the other day and said it's the vibe. It's the vibe. I mean, people still use lines from the castle to this day. Anyway, it's a good film. Go and see it. Great. Right. Then the next day I did a double feature, double header, Sunday. The first one I saw You can tell, folks, that the footy season is coming to an end. I know. When she does three movies I was in thinking, one week. I, I was thinking of Don't Shoot the Messenger, Corrie. Um, a Simple Plan got four stars in The Australian last weekend, and I like their film reviews. So I thought, well, go and see that. I saw it with one of my daughters, Rose. It stars Blake Lively, who is just gorgeous. Remember her yes. from Gossip Girl? And Anna Kendrick, who is a really, really good actress, and she's just sort of bobbed up. in uh, The film I absolutely loved her in was Pitch Perfect, one of the great musical films of recent years. I love Pitch Perfect. It's about This is just basically about a mummy blogger mommy blogger in the States. And the film opens with her her cooking blog and her best friend, Blake Lively, so-called best friend, has gone missing. That is the- So is it a thriller or a comedy? It is is a film noir, stylish thriller that goes a little bit over the top towards the end. But the interplay between these two actresses, between Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick is- So they obviously find Blake if they're- is, well, no, there's all done in flashback. Oh, I see. It all, It's all done in flashback, and I'm not going to say what happens because there is a lot of twists and turns. But hysterically, Blake Lively's husband in the film is played by Henry Golding, who starred in the film I Saw That Afternoon, which was Crazy Rich Asians.
1: Oh, yes, and which, which was based on Pride and Prejudice.
0: Yep. Yeah. So – this is um, great, great book. Great, great book. book. Um, he made so much money out of that book. They made, Kevin him it, they made him do a sequel, which was not so good. But the third one, Clementine, who went to that film with me, assures me is is quite good. This is a fabulous. Th- th- that was probably the most enjoyable. Of the bunch. It was – um, it was. I walked out feeling like I did after Mamma Mia. Not quite as good as after Mamma Mia 2 because you know how much I love that. But Crazy Rich Asians well, is just a fabulous when, film.
1: When people come into the bookshop saying I need a good easy read because they're going onto a beach resort or an airplane ride or something, we always go for Crazy Rich Asians because Kevin Kwan is a fabulous writer. He writes for the Esquire in, in, in and the New Yorker in the U.S., he uh, grew up in Singapore, and apparently, Cara, yep. when he presented his script for this or his his outline for this, um, the draft of the novel, the people at HarperCollins said, "Oh, Kevin, we love it. It's fantastic. But could you tone it down a bit? Nobody lives as wealthy as
0: nobody's as rich as this." And he said, "I have toned it down. These people the, are my parents' part, the friends. The party seems <laughs> alone. And look, it's got a good script. And there's a mahjong moment which you would enjoy. Look, it's it's just a." It's just a fabulous,
1: film. great, it, Crazy it, It's rich complete, agents. completely I'll to, over I'll the top. i have to go and see it. And Caro, I gather that uh, you and Clementine were inspired by my plugging of Simple by Yotam Ottolenghi last week. And forty nine ninety nine. Uh, Clem came book into book shop, the shop, particularly <laughs> my
0: bookshop. Clem came in to buy the book. Clem texted me and said, let's go halves in simple after she heard the podcast. And I said, well, I was hoping I'd get it as a Christmas present. And Clem just, you know, know, the kids these days, they want everything now, Corrie. So she went in and bought it on her own. And I refused to put in for it because I thought that was very indulgent. All weekend we feasted on the recipes from this wonderful book, post-movie and pre-movie. So um, Clem did the asparagus recipe that you gave us last week. It was amazing. Rose made a beautiful tomato on yogurt recipe. Clem made an equal – in fact, I think Rose was going to do it and Clem ended up doing most of it, but um, Rose was at the movie with me and setting the fire. And then he also did an egg, the eggplant recipes, but what um, – I think you might have explained it last week, but, you know, S-I-M-P-L-E, simple. There's That's a little code. So P is pantry, which means you'll have all these ingredients in your pantry. L is for lazy. Like this is a relatively lazy recipe. So simple for different cooks is different things. Well, the one I just want to talk about today, because you know how much I love this recipe. I used to make it for you, chicken mabea. This is a recipe that – and Yotam – You've always
1: had trouble saying mabea. No, in the past she used to.
0: I'm not, Marbella, I'm not going to try and be, effective Spanish now accent. Now that you're a world traveller. Well, good old Yotam, not only does he, because it's a great book, you're right, he, It is the lemon on the front, I love the cover, it's yellow, which would be good in your yellow section of your colour-coded bookshelves, and I love the way he sends himself up at the start Isn't of the book. Isn't
1: it great? It's about hilarious. About how people are
0: even cracking Yotam auto-lingy <laughs> ling- gags on said, TV. you
1: making a book that's called Simple, what an mo- oxymoron that is. Well, he,
0: he gives credit to the Silver Palette Cookbook, a wonderful American cookbook for from the 70s that my mum found somewhere, and and I reckon pioneered Chicken Marbella. That's Julia, my mum, that is. Um, their names were Julie Rosso and Sheila Lukens. They were great friends, had a shop in New York. I think they they fell out and ended up in Vanity Fair. But anyway, the Silver Palette Cookbook had a Chicken Marbella, and he's actually given us a version of that it basically involves, and I'm not going to go through the whole recipe, but it's, it, this isn't a pantry one, but it is a simple one. And a lot of the recipes too could be prepared the day before. Yeah, he does cookbook. say that, which is helpful. Eight chicken legs, and he reckons drumstick and thigh, and this is very generous for four people. Five garlic cloves, fresh, fresh oregano, but it's oregano, um, red wine vinegar, olive oil, pitted green olives, capers, medjool dates, bay leaves, dry white wine, date molasses, which is not in the original silver palette recipe, and salt and black pepper. This is one of these one-pot dishes, and we'll put it up on, our rec- uh, up on our website. It is the most beautiful summer, winter, any time of the year dish. This cookbook is, I mean, you were absolutely right, it is an absolute winner. Well, we
1: sold out last week, Caro, um, but that recipe we will have on the show notes and we thank um, Ottolengi for allowing us to put it up because it is promoting the book. But they sold out around Australia and more are coming in and it's just been a huge success story, which is fabulous. So that is Simple by Yotam Ottolengi, forty nine ninety nine, and the recipe is chicken... Mambaya.
0: Mambaya. <laughs> <laughs> now... Okay, That's my classnet, classnet. I'm not. I'm not grumpy about you sending up my Spanish accent, but I am grumpy. My, my grumpy is to do with words. This week, I have been wanting to talk to you about this for weeks. I am so Are sick. you on the
1: activated almond no, bandwagon no, term. No,
0: it, I'm not into not into your food terms. I'm not. I don't, I don't really care about ancient grains, but and it comes up in the industry I work in a lot. The AFL industry officials and executives and coaches, they've just brought these stupid new words into the English language. Learnings. We've had a lot of learnings from this game. No, you've learned, you've had lessons. They're not learnings. They're lessons. Um, Tear up. No, no, you're crying. You don't tear up. You cry. The optics of this are not good. No, no, it's just a really bad look. I am so sick of the bastardisation of the Eng- English language and the stupid words people in football use. The optics, Gillan McLaughlin, take note, is a really annoying way of talking about the way something appears to everybody else. So there well,
1: you go. I, I yeah, I remember my first, very first meeting at the NGV with a lot of public service people around the table as well as myself and somebody referred to the strategisation of this project <laughs> <laughs> and
0: the journo in me was horrified. It's not a word. <laughs> Ex-footballers put a lot of isations and isations
1: They all need to read words. Don Watson's weasel words because once you've read that, that's you will never book. use a weasel word ever again. So that's probably a segue into six
0: quick questions, Caro, because I'd like to know what your current worst word is, like of the week. Is there one of the week? That- well, it's party week in the AFL and we're moving into spring, so party week continues. Corrie, you don't receive an invite something, you receive an invitation. Correct. When did invite become a noun? Invite is a verb, to invite someone. Thanks for the invite. No, thanks for the invitation. That is my word of the week. It drives me nuts and it's now just become accepted. It's international. I've well, seen it, it on TV I shows. I think we have
1: to blame the young for this because they. they it sounds cool and groovy, doesn't it? But for good, goodness sake, no, young people can speak properly too. Sounds, Come on. Get like with the program, English. young people.
0: This question is slightly more heavy-handed than that one, Corrie, but the American judge, Brett Kavanaugh, should his nomination Shocker. for the US Supreme Court be knocked back? Probably... I mean, given that he's now been accused of sexually assaulting a girl when he was at high school. Attempted
1: rape, Carol, let's call 30 it 30 years it ago.
0: I, I shouldn't make light of this. It is just extraordinary. Should his nomination be knocked
1: back? Well, it should be knocked back, but probably the Repu- Republicans who dominate the House and Congress will not mm-hmm. knock it back, although maybe there are a couple of female Republicans there over the, overnight who have been making most interesting mutterings of disapproval. But I think what should happen is, Brett, stand down. Just yep. say, look thank you, you know, I don't want to bring this, you know, this extraordinary honour into disrepute or, nor the bench of the US Supreme Court. So stand down. Yeah, that's I, what I'd be saying.
0: I think that's a very good suggestion. Anyway,
1: watch this space. That's a really interesting story. While on politics, Caro, I am most interested about women and the Liberal Party. What's the problem? Why are people, women turning away from the whole pre-selection process?
0: This has become a burning issue, Corrie, and the reason they're turning away is because they're not being nominated for good seats. You've got someone, a really impressive performer by it, like Katie Allen, currently, she's been put into the seat of Paran. I mean, that, that's her green, Labor, strong... Yeah, well, that's a state political example. But there was a great article in The Age on Monday about, you know, this the House of Representatives, 150 Liberal candidates, and there's like five or six good women currently standing. The reason there aren't any good candidates is because... They're not being they're not being encouraged, they're being turned away and all the big the big jobs and all the best seats and the winnable seats are going to men. Which is why the Liberal Party has to introduce quotas. It has become embarrassing. How can you say in terms of the House of Representatives, that this party is truly representing this nation, they're not. No. There are no women there, That's and, right. and you know this has come hand in hand with the accusations of bullying, both in state politics in New South Wales and in federal politics. It is just appalling what is going on, and it, it's quite shameful, really, that where there are more. Um, my husband pointed out to me the other day that there are more Davids on the Liberal front bench in Victorian Parliament than there are. <laughs> And there are women. <laughs> it's true. That's terrible. More Davids than women. Corrie, have you stopped buying strawberries? Yes. It's a bit of a worry, isn't I it? I did,
1: and the other day Hats and I went up to the walked up to the local IGA in Ballarat, and I eyed off the strawberries. So did she. I might add, she's a bit of a fan. And I thought, imagine if on your watch even though you would probably dissect the strawberry to see if there's a needle or some piece of metal work in it. Imagine if on your watch she ate, she ate a strawberry that had something terrible in it. So we went for the seven ninety nine raspberries instead. Oh, it,
0: how dare – it's like airlines putting the prices up to Perth and, oh. and there's a preliminary final. <laughs> but but um, actually Clem, you know, Clem being Clem, went to the Paran market on Saturday and then she went to another market on Monday, she bought home two punnets of the most beautiful strawberries for a dollar, like double the size or triple the size of a normal punnet. So make hay while the sun shines. Well, yeah,
1: and look, I'm also and she very, cut them up, and I'm very concerned about our berry growers. It must be decimating. We don't want we don't want to decimate the industry. And I think it's if we take care, cut,
0: cut cut up your strawberries and just check. But why it is is the most it, shocking? Why thing. is it that when you cut up fruit at home, it all goes in? five minutes, and when you don't cut it up, it goes mouldy and it goes into the bin. People are so
1: lazy in our households, Caro, that's why. That's exactly why. Case in point, the watermelon that I took up to Ballarat was still there three days later. Cut it up, gone. That's it.
0: We should we should just mention how terrible it's been for, for farmers who stand to lose, you know – a year's worth of – I mean, what's what's happening at the moment? It's terrible. And that's to why the, I
1: still think we should buy, buy to, strawberries. To the rural
0: but. economy is absolutely tragic. It is a shocking story. It is
1: a terrible story. So I just hope that um, the federal police get onto that one quick sticks. Um, Caro, what's your view of the Herald Sun's response to the whole furor that surrounded um, their cartoonist Mark Knight with his Serena Williams
0: cartoon? Well, they took it well, didn't they, the Herald Sun? <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest overkill of a defence. Now, I don't mind. Def- you've got to defend your people. And yes. they let Mark Mark Knight, who I don't believe At has first a we racist. thought maybe he, in hung, his body, he hung
1: them out. To, they hung him out to drive. By, him. by
0: not somebody should have stepped in, Damon Johnson or someone, one of their senior people, all good people, and said, no, no. Do this one again. This is going to offend a lot of people, upset a lot of people, and the mouth and the way you have drawn Serena Williams. She looks – yes, she looks grotesque like many of your caricatures, but she looks like an animal. Two words,
1: Caro, strong editor.
0: Well, that didn't happen, but afterwards, I mean, every single columnist – the Herald Sun has, has come out with these passionate, ridicu- some of them, ridiculous overkill of what actually went on. The front pages, the running the, the cartoon again, the, the Mark Knight looking confused on the front page. It seemed to be sort of at least two of the next five days. I thought the, the hit back was so ridiculous and why there wasn't even one modicum of contrition about the fact that people were offended was really disappointing anyway. So yeah. I, I didn't think it was a great response. <clears throat> now, Corrie, I've got... Um I want you to tell me your GLT, your good local tip.
1: My good local tip, Caroline, this week is how to survive winter because let's face it, we're still in it here in Melbourne. And uh, as uh, everybody knows because I've moaned enough about the fact I didn't go away to a sunny place this winter. I stayed in Melbourne. Really, Corrie? You didn't go away (laughs) this year. So I decided to uh, be positive about this, as you recall, and I got a little program uh, in under my belt and I think it's actually worked because touch wood I have not had a cold although I've got a bit of a cough today I have felt really healthy I have not put on weight which I usually do each winter and um, I'm feeling pretty good about the world although when it snowed the other night in Ballarat I thought oh holy moly come on come on weather anyway here are my little tips you've got to keep exercising in winter despite the dark mornings maybe do it a little bit later or even in the afternoon. And it's cold, I know, but just keep exercising. One of the things I did, Carol, was I started walking to work which and walking home at night. So that's about a three and a half K walk. That was an enforced walk. I couldn't get out of it. Even, even if it rained, I had my umbrella.
0: So really good to I hope keep. you didn't leave your car in a clear way when you were walking to work. Thank you. I've learnt my lesson <laughs> about that.
1: The other thing I would do, well, I did this year is I invested in a warm coat. Now, I've got a couple of warm coats, but I bought a coat that I can walk in. There's a big difference, Caro. So you can have a coat that's Between quite a show tight.
0: coat or a practical.
1: Coat. Well, a practical coat, and I don't mean a puffer jacket necessarily, but a coat that you can actually take big, bold strides in because it just makes such a difference that if you're wearing something that is not too. What's heavy. it made of? This coat, Corrie? My coat is a woolen coat, but it's an A-line coat, and I can and it's I, I got a slightly bigger size. I got a an, an M, but it is a big medium, so I can wear my woolly coat, a woolly um. Cardigan or whatever underneath it, right? Um, and then I bought—I do have a couple of beanies, but I bought a really nice beanie that I think is quite smart. I've seen you in the beanie, yeah. My my daughters would argue otherwise that I look smart. <laughs> um, and then I, I I have a scarf, and then I bought a backpack which I have lived with because everything goes in the backpack on the back. So I on, and I just walk to work, so it's so much easier and so much better for your posture. The other tip, Caro, is find sunlight whenever you can. So as you know, at our little beach house, we've got a brazier there and I've got a couple of rugs and what I have tried to do on a sunny, cold Sunday is to sit out there, you know, all warmed up with the sunlight and lots of candles at home because it does make you feel better and try not to eat heavy meals. I've really tried not to go the casserole route this winter and keep it light and breezy and I've survived actually, although a bit partial still to the hot apple crumble Um, and then I did try uh, a couple of times and very successful too to have a three or four day mini break. And I think, you know, it's, it's good mental health if you can, even if you can't get away, just try and have a Thursday, Friday rostered day off and then have the four days either go away or just stay at home, but just cocoon up. And there's nothing wrong with having a pyjama day either. So that would be my tip for how to get through winter. And Which you, is a bit irrelevant now. We're coming into spring, I suppose. Oh well, there's another one rolling around.
0: <laughs> really, <laughs> Let's go quickly these
1: days. Oh well, look, lots to chat about um, still, but we better close it off. And I have to wish you all the best for the footy. Are you going with the mob or are you doing official duties on Friday?
0: Uh, doing uh, Going to um, a lovely function on Friday night with my husband, Brendan, the same function we went to with the preliminary final last year, which hopefully we'll see Good luck. the same result. But yes. look, whatever happens, it's going to be a fabulous grand final.
1: And thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope your footy team wins if you're still in the finals. And, of course, we thank so much the gang at the Interchange Bench, bench for sponsoring Don't Shoot the Messenger. Really appreciate your support, guys. And as always, poddies, if you'd like to send a comment on anything we've talked about or you've got a good local tip or a recommendation or you just want to say hi, please email us feedback at dontshootpod.com.au. And, of course, you can follow us via the Facebook page and you can actually uh, leave a message there too. Check us out on Twitter or the Caro and Corrie Instagram account. And please tell a friend about a, about the podcast because we're trying to grow our numbers, aren't we, Caro? It's all about numbers.
0: We do. So just <laughs> press that button, the sign-up button, if you'd like to receive weekly updates. And you will love chicken my Chicken Marbella recipe, Corrie. It's not a casserole. It's a baked one-pot dish, and it doesn't have as much oil in as the original does. It is just the most beautiful, or beautiful Or you can come dinner. into
1: the bookshop, Caro, and buy it just like Clementine did. Serve Um, with a green salad. Go, Tiges, I'll be barracking for you. And what do we say,
0: Carol? Don't shoot the messenger.